or extorted by this prisoner, please contact customer service at 855-466. subject matter of the preceding podcast is entirely alleged and not admissible in a court of law. A recklessly minimal effort has been taken to change the names and details of any guilty parties. And just in case you rat bastards get any ideas, the hosts of this podcast are notorious and well-documented liars with no legally admissible credibility. This is Mama C, and you're listening to Notes from the Pin Podcast. Welcome to prison, bitch. What up? Yo. How you doing, buddy? All right. You get some sleep? Well, uh... Yeah, I got a little sleep. Yeah. My, uh, yeah, I was exhausted. I came back and uh, went, tried to take like a little nap, but I ended up sleeping for two hours. Really? And then, uh, yeah, and then I uh, got up and ate some food and then watched this documentary called Parchment Revealed, I think it's called. It was on A&E. It was a documentary by Rock Nation by Jay-Z's company. Jay-Z was actually in it. Okay. And it's this uh, prison that focused on this one unit, Unit 29, in Mississippi during COVID and all that stuff. And um, it was just a total breakdown. Started, there was this riot that broke out there. Okay. And a guy had a cell phone. A couple of people had cell phones, and then they were, like, live streaming it. And it looks really? like a third world co- country in there. And the light, there's, like, whole areas where the lights are out. The COs wouldn't. It was its own unit, so there, there would be time when COs wouldn't even be in there. And, um, oh, you know, people, the, the water was brown, uh, the electricity was out half the time, and m- most places water was actively leaking in there when it would rain. What the hell? There was one photographer that they, they interviewed that said, he was a younger uh, kid, he was from um, Brooklyn or somewhere in New York. Okay. The younger black black dude. And he said uh, the only place he's seen comparable, even close to Parchman was, uh, or Unit 29 in Parchman was a prison in Cameroon. Oh my god! Really? Yeah, and so um, I think uh, they they sent the video out, and it went viralish. You know, all these people were dying from lack of medical aid and suicides, and there was like something like I wrote it down last night. I was taking notes and I was watching it. Uh It was something like um, I don't know, like fifteen, nineteen people died in in like four four weeks or something. Fifteen dead in six weeks. Fifteen days. And, uh, six weeks. So I watched that and uh was kinda covering some of the similarities of things that I've seen in here and also um you know, uh, there were a lot of suicides in there obviously, 'cause when you when you squeeze someone enough environmentally yep. you are basically torturing them. That, yeah. Yeah, people it makes you and there was this one they were interviewing this one lady whose son I believe I might get some of these stories mixed up, but um, it'd be cool if some of the pebbles wanted to watch it. And we yeah, could, uh, I think it'd be an, it's it's an important glimpse into an American American prison system. All the issues you those familiar with someone in prison now, a lot of the pebbles probably, but you and Mama C and ever will, will recognize a lot of the things. Like you know, um, one of the things is the the mothers would be so worried about their sons mm-hmm. that. They would call up and um, they would, you know, because they couldn't talk to them because they would be on lockdown all the time. Just okay. like here, all they close the yard or the units on lockdown. So almost you can't like trying do to do a welfare check almost. Right. But they would go, he's fine. And they would say, well, you know, that's all great. They, so I kind of started with this. They're, they were saying, like, right when I turned it on, they were saying, 
So there would be people, when people would have a medical emergency, a lot of times there weren't COs in there. So then everyone would have to, like, bang pipes and stuff and mm-hmm. scream and, like, bang shit and basically make it sound like a damn riot to get some attention. And when that wouldn't work, which it, it usually rarely did, very probably. frequently worked, they'd have to start fires so that some someone would come and give this guy his insulin who was, like, seizing out on the floor who was going into diabetic shock or whatever. And so... When they find, you know, a bunch of class action lawsuits ended up getting filed and stuff, and and eventually through like a court or a judge's court order, because they wouldn't let any lawyers or anyone come in to look at the place, they even lied and said they closed Unit 29 down, and they didn't. And uh, when they went in there, it was just sewage water on the floor. There was soot everywhere from all the emergency medical fire fire. Yeah. Was this uh, a private prison? No, no, it's just a Mississippi State prison. Wow. Man, and, uh, that's incredible. It's not like a, a multi-series documentary. It might be two hours long, but it's okay. like you can watch it in one sitting. You know, the, the the interesting thing that I just took from that was that they were willing to help out somebody in need. A lot of times you make the assumption, that, oh, fuck that guy, like they're on their own. But no, like they were banded together in this common, uh, even as bad as oh, the situation yeah, no. was, you know, like they're all like, bro, we got to take care of our people. You know what I mean? Because that could have been them, too. Right, yeah, that that only that exists with little squabbles and beasts in here. But ultimately, when you have one shared common like threat, that being the institution, you know, you see someone fall down, pass out, or faint, or or have a seizure, you're gonna you're gonna try to get them help because yeah, you. you so there goes does, I. What is it? For the grace of God, there there, there goes I. Does that cross the fraternity lines too? Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah it does. Okay, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it does. But uh, there was a part in it where a guy, a kid was, a dude called his mom mm-hmm. and was like, he, if this is the one I remember, he was in there for stealing batteries when he was younger. And then he got put on probation and owed, all, you know, went to jail and got released and then put on probation. He owed all kinds of fines. And, mm-hmm. you know, when COVID hit, they said uh, he was, you would have to, before COVID, you have to come in there once a month and check in and maybe do a drug test or whatever. Well, during COVID, they said, all you got to do is call. So this guy had, like, a couple kids, and he was taking care of the kids and working. He was giving one a bath, and the, the, his phone fell in the bathtub, okay. when, like, when he was supposed to check in. So his mom called for him and said his phone fell in the bathtub. I'm calling for him. Right. Um, so I don't know how, exactly how that worked out. But they went there, and they violated him. They arrested him. They handcuffed him, and they sent him, they sent him back to some Navy on parole. They sent, him back, they sent him to prison, and he went really? to Unit 29. and. He just was de- de- degrading mentally, and he finally called her. You know, a lot of times he wouldn't want to use the phone or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he became despondent, wasn't talking as much. But this time he he talked to everyone, all his sisters and brothers there. And yeah. was basically saying goodbye, and then he hurt his kid in the background. Okay. And uh, he, he said some shit to his kid, and I don't want to ruin the, the thing, right. but he before he got off the phone, he said to his mom, he said, I'm strong, but I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not this strong. Wow. You know what I mean. And and they found him. You know, she said, "I got a call the next day mm-hmm. or two days later, and I saw that when it said from Parch, and I knew he was dead, Jesus. and he hung himself." And uh, that's terrible. I know. I know exactly what that. I've said that shit before, mm-hmm. where you're just at your wit's end, and you're like, "I would never uh, normally." You know, want to you know after mm. everything you have with me, I've like sworn that shit off. Like I, I, right. I can never try to kill. I can never kill myself. 
but I'd be lying if I said that there's not, this place doesn't push you psychologically to times where you're like, I don't, I really don't know what else to do. I just want this shit to be over with. When he said that, like, I really hit you. Shit resonated with. Yeah. Of all the joints you've been to, which one pushed you the most, do you think? Parnell. Okay. All right. I wonder. Parnell. So you're even, I mean, if that tells the pebbles anything, that's a level uh, two. Level one. That's level one. And you've been to a level four, and a level one was worse. That's in, that's. I've been to multiple, multiple crazy. level fours. But I, I also don't know. Man. The level the level fours were built more recently. They were built in the 90s. The level one I was at, you remember, I don't know, the pebbles have been listening for yeah. a while. Remember that when it, when it would rain, I would count the, uh, the mop buckets. They would have to put yeah. it out on the different ga- One fell off the fourth gallery. You know how heavy a mop bucket oh, for water shit. is? Slid off the edge, fell off the fourth gallery, and exploded on the floor. If it would have hit someone, it would have killed them. Done. And because the concrete is all out of level, because the shit's cracking and falling apart, it just rolled off the edge. And um, it would flood. The showers would flood when you were in there. If you didn't shower quick enough, the water would be up to your ankles and stuff. Yeah, that was the most physically decrepit, moldy, nasty, uh, just... Rat, mice and rats and all that stuff. Level four has its own type of torture. <clears throat> like, <clears throat> so the thing when I watch this documentary is, I said, I've seen damn near every single thing that they've showed in there, okay. but I did, it wasn't ever all at one, in one unit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, you know, it, it like was a perfect storm with COVID and all that stuff. And it was like, think about the lack of oversight in general. But when you have COVID going on. No one's mm. checking on those people. Right. You know, no one's making sure. So, And it's interesting that, like, we talked yesterday uh, briefly how mentally it's challenging, too, the closer you get to the door. You're just thinking, can I hang on just long enough? Like you said, it's mentally, it's it's really debilitating. You yeah. Know, we talked about I, that really first been... day, last day, and how that really doesn't apply. That's for people that have, like, really minimal sentences. Well, I kind of, I told you yesterday, so we're supposed to be laying something down right now, and I assume we're going to use this for something. So, hey, greetings. Hey! (laughs) We got a lot to catch you up on, but you, I told you this yesterday, so Mm -hmm. real quick, this is going to have to be, like, uh, off the cuff, get get in where we fit in, do what we can while we can, Mm -hmm. when we can, because something happened the day before yesterday here and since then there's been no big yard for so there hasn't been we've been on basically a a half lockdown the last two days did we discuss why did i tell you no Uh -uh. oh okay well supposedly something made its way over the fence but also when i went in some when they closed they closed night before last they closed yard while i was on the phone Okay. And they close the entire yard over the intercom. East side, west side, big yard, patio, wow. everything's closed, go in. Yeah, so I'm standing on the phone, and I see people coming in from outside. It's going to take a good seven, eight, maybe ten minutes to get everyone from there inside the unit. So I'm telling Ray, I'm on the phone, Ray, and I'm staying on the phone until, you know, I don't have to jump off right now. And, of mm-hmm. course, they come out. The CEO worked in the unit says, I'll tell you when you guys come in. So we come in, and he says, you know, something, a package made its way over the net. <clears throat> But when I get in, someone who is out on the backyard, if you're on the back 40 of the west side of, okay. of this joint, if you can look across and see the units of the east side. And between them, you can see a little bit of their patio. Right. And they said, one of the guys in the unit firsthand said, we saw like a giant 
mauling, right? Like a, really? a fight, stab, or whatever it was. And since then, I've heard that someone got killed over it. Oh, no. Now, yeah, I don't know how true it is, but I know that that thing happened, whatever that mm. fight was or whatever. So I don't know if they were related or if they're independent, but since then, we haven't had Big Yard. Okay. So because of that, normally right now when I get up in the morning, I can get on the phone and do my thing, but it's so crowded and it's been shut down for so so many days now mm. that um, there's a big line and everyone, the way the phone's structured, it's like a little square around it. So everyone's just sitting there facing it, <laughs> facing you on the phone. You know what I mean? Not intimidated so, by um, any stretch. It's not just that. It's, I'm not worried. I know you're not intimidated, but I'm just saying. That like, but, but it's, you can right, feel the eyeballs. Just, <laughs> It's invasive, right? It's invasive. And if you're like me trying to um, do some embedded reporting to the masses <laughs> to kind of tell the world what's going on, and I need to do my thing on here, which means tying up a phone for a minute, it's a little more difficult. And at the end of the day, I have to live here, and I am a convict and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, But with that being said, there's a lot a lot that has happened since we last talked, and we kind of need to catch up on. Yes, but we do. I think it... Uh, you have one minute remaining. I'm going to get back in line, but it might okay. be another 15, 20 minutes before I get back on. Okay. And so, yeah, I think we're going to patch something to, together here. And oh, it'll yeah. be, uh, if anything, it'll be real. Plenty to talk about. <sighs> All right. <laughs> you bye. sound exhausted, man. I'm so exhausted. Go grab a cup of coffee, bro. <laughs> I'm mentally exhausted. i got to get back in this line. I love you. I'll talk to you, you in a minute. All right. Yeah. Made it back. Uh, yeah, you did. Well, I called last out there and then had a uh, inmate. Yeah. Um, but you could slight. Oh. Uh, uh, I had him hold. He's a nice guy. He touched, <laughs> he's touched a bunch of kids. He's touched a bunch. He's, Fuck that guy. He touched more kids that weren't his own than Michael Jackson. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyways. He, uh, Kyle couldn't stand him. Kyle had really? this real revulsion against. Um, it's not the uh, o- obese thing so much as it is the slovenly, like, mm. you know, being yep. um, stuff. Anyways, I have, I'm like, listen, hold, uh, who's last? So I say, okay, listen, I'm after you. I leave my book out on the on the picnic table to, like, show them I'm coming back. Right. I say, I got to go in. I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee. I've been ordered to by my co-host. And yep. Like, I shoot inside, switch shirts because it's hot. And on my way back out, I see there's two phones in here open. Mm. Three phones, the, digi- the shitty digital one Whoa. and then two of the regular ones. I'm like, oh, crap. I got to go outside and grab my book, though. Okay. So I speed walk like an elderly woman at 8 a.m. in the mall. As soon as the mall opens, you know, I speed walk out of there, grab my book, make it back in, and there's one phone open. Mm. Well, two, the, the shitty digital one and this one. I jump on it, and then right afterwards, someone grabs the digital, and now there's two people online staring at me. Nice. So uh, I think we have to tell the Pebbles about what happened yesterday. You had a visit, didn't you? Well, on Thursday I had a visit. Ray Ray came up and visited me for the last first Thursday. time. And, yep. and then, yeah, last Thursday and then Saturday. Yep. And then Mama C, by no real intentional plans, um, just happened to have schedule her you know annual visit this up the next weekend, which is the one that just passed. Right. And she was she was bringing my uncle and my youngest East sister. side chat. That's right. Besides Chet and Andrea, who mm-hmm. is just the sweetest, most oh, out, amazing woman. She's just, yeah. Yeah. For those that don't know, we raised her from, right. she's not actually my youngest sister. She's my first cousin's daughter. And then she'd go back and then come back 
Yeah, and she so, tells yeah, me she's so, been all over. I mean, from from Michigan to Florida, Florida to Maine, Maine mm-hmm. back to Michigan, Michigan down to Ohio, I believe. Yes. So she's so uh, it's she's going been around the, you know nice eclectic mix of homes. <laughs> yeah, we raised her until she was about thirteen, and then she wanted to go visit her mom. I don't want to get too far into yep. the week, anyway, but uh, she's she went sweetheart. back. Yeah, she's just she's one of those people. I've mentioned her on the show before because mm-hmm. she's one of these people that is infinitely happier than me, right? <laughs> like infinitely happier. And when I'm doing my best and I'm meditating every day, I'm still not as happy as her. Is it right? Just right. You know what I mean? She's just like, oh hey, oh yeah. my god, it's so nice that she makes fun of herself. She just yeah. So there's so the, her family line is uh, there's been some drama and trauma mm-hmm. and stuff there. But she, we got her, we, we got her like we when she was like a puppy. <laughs> we got her when she was like one. So she, I just loved it. So she was coming by my favorite uncle. Yeah, that's right. I said my favorite. Yep. My favorite. I'll even extend it. I don't know how. My favorite aunt or uncle. Mm. Um, by far, East Side Chet, wearing a note from the pin shirt, by the way. Um, <laughs> so he's coming up, and I so now I got. I just went through these two other visits, and as much as I love visits, I do love them. They are taxing emotionally, mentally, even physically. Yeah, you know, um, getting ready for everything and the throw off of the schedule because you know your self uh, administered schedule is one of the few things that you actually right. kind of can set your compass by. So I'm waiting in there, and it's an early one. Right, Most yeah. visits are like later today. This one starts at 11.30. I'm waiting there, and before I get up and get completely ready and take my shower and stuff, I check JPay, and there's a couple people on there. Yeah. Right? And I get one from you that says, um, listen, have a really great visit. You said this for the last one when Ray was coming up. You're like, hope you have a good visit. Right. And in, in this one, you said, I know I should be coming up there, and, and I promise. No I've given you shit before. Yeah, right. Before. Uh, it, uh, usually as as, a, as me weaponizing it <laughs> in rebuttal you to, really uh, do. <laughs> to the commutation. To the con- you oh, the commutation yeah, that's right. Thing like, oh. Yeah, and, and I retort with that. Yeah, so I'm up there waiting for the visit. Wearing my uh, family clothes, meaning <laughs> not a lady. I'm trying to attract in it, so I'm wearing like my like burlap burlap bag of a V-neck pullover shirt. Yeah, so they come in. They, they the way they do it is you're waiting there, and then they'll bring in groups of people because they have mm-hmm. to process it, and they don't want to let everyone in like you see on TV. When they bring you in, you have to like kind of squint and look through the shatter resistant glass with the mesh in it and mm-hmm. try to see recognize any of the people because it's also been a while since you've seen most of these people so i'm looking through and the first group nothing i think the second group nothing third group i'm, I'm like ooh, i see my mom's hair her little yep. stunning platinum yep. hair and shit and i'm like ooh, mom there's chad there's and then immediately my brain like kind of short circuits because i see this this like six foot two guy with a beard i recognize like vividly like some people don't Wait. look like they do it right i'm I look. I'm like these motherfuckers. It's JD. JD <laughs> surprised. <laughs> he surprised visited me. Yes, um, sir. Which you wouldn't think it's possible in prison because you have to put him on the list. Mm-hmm. But if you're smart and you have you play the long game yeah. and you wait a year, <laughs> you can. Uh, yeah, you can truly surprise someone. Yeah. So that happened. That was amazing. There's quite an overload. Yeah. Of, uh, I saw you yeah. and you were like. Like, you had your hand up, wait, and then your other hand came up, and I knew immediately in your head, you're like, what the fuck? 
this fucking guy? <laughs> I'm like, they, well, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe, you know. Mama well, you C said, though, too, like, Mama C can't keep a secret. Because we've been talking about this for weeks, like six, eight weeks now. Yeah, genuinely <laughs> surprised. Like, completely floored. Yeah. Did not expect it. Yeah, so that was like a really cool surprise. So um, I can let the, the the pebbles know. A few episodes back, you and I kind of were talking about abject terror and anxiety and all those things that, you know. I have a few experiences with a couple different places, you know, a couple different joints I've been work, I've either worked in or visited or what have you. And so you kind of have this in your head. And I've seen photos of, you know, where you're at and like you know, the razor wire and stuff. And I'm sitting in the parking lot and you don't, you don't know what the process is like. You know, you think in my head, at least I'm like, okay, we're going to walk down these long corridors. There's going to be inmates on both sides and they're going to be screaming at you and blah, blah, blah. And they're going to lead you to the visitation room, wherever that is. It is not like that at all. (laughs) It's, you may as well be like waiting at the BMV. You walk in, there's like a holding room and then they take you to a smaller holding room and then you're in the lunchroom. So it's, it's such an easy process. And but I will tell you, leading up to that, yeah, I, I had to um, take a few prescription uh, <laughs> yeah, anxiety you thought it was going to be more. I did. I yeah. was like, man, I really did. And that's just funny how the brain works and you're, th- you're just, uh, you know, I was just flop sweat. And <laughs> yeah, you did all right. You held it together. I did. Once yeah, I got together. in the room, I was like, oh, this is not a big deal at all. You know what I'm saying? I think. I think Ray was the same way. I think she was kind of surprised at how, like, the process is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was reading the rules. It's like you get one hug and you get one, you know, one handshake. And I'm like, that's not happening. Like, it's pretty loose situation. You know what I mean? Like, you guys were up and walking around, and it's like, okay, this is. Well, see, I will say this. It made me feel a little bit better about the visitation situation. It wasn't as rigid as I had thought it was going to be. Right. Well, every every facility is different, and the people who like who are out there are different. I will say this about this this place mm-hmm. because as much as I give, I'll hold the place accountable. I will give them credit where credit is deserved. They do as far as like grades go from my past experiences. They get an A here for letting you be human beings, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and and basically following the rules. But the spirit of the rules, yep. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, don't push it, don't go step over bounds, don't make anyone yeah. look bad or do anything shady. But for the most part, you know, I mean, we understand that it was here and we're going to let you. It was awesome seeing, like, even the one, I'm going to say the, the head CO guy that was in there was like, there was a little girl there that was getting her photo taken. And he's over there, like, doing Mickey Mouse voices and, like, trying to get her to smile and, like, not cry and stuff. And I'm like, that's cool, man. He he could have well, just as easily been like, shut that kid up. You know what I mean? But he was actively trying to make it nice for the guy and trying to get a decent p- picture, you know, which I thought was really awesome. Well, that I think that experience, that like you witnessing that kind of, uh, kind of upset you a little bit or made you uh, the girl running away and... And not wanting to take a picture. Yeah, if that were your kid. Yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe that was their first visit or maybe they only get to visit once a year, you know. Yeah, it made you question, like, that might have been, you know, that's one of the strains. Sure. uh, That that keeping people separated from their family members. It isn't just to punish us, right? It Mm -hmm. also punishes that little girl didn't do anything. And you could tell, I think you were, like, you were kind of inferring was that, like, oh, she doesn't really know her dad. 
And so she's kind of like scared of him and like doesn't want to like be close to him or take a picture mm-hmm. with him where he's holding her. That's a good possibility. Yeah. But shout out to the, I don't know if you know that camera dude, but he was awesome. That guy was so excited about life. I loved it. He oh, was I like, do know. You like that background? You want this? You want me to take another photo? Yeah. Like, I just, I loved his energy. He was all about it. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a phone. He'll wait in the phone line over here. He's actually, I think, in the unit, unit connected to us. So, okay. Yeah, we don't talk or anything, but I, I definitely know who he is and stuff. Yeah, so we took a couple pictures, none of which I was pleased with. because so Come uh, on, the one. Because. <laughs> it looked like I had a. Oh, no, the one you and I took was funny and it was good and we made him laugh. Yeah, um, it's a couple cars. See, most people do. There's a there's like a certain five rotating poses people do. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's platonic, it's like just next to each other with your arms kind of folded or whatever. Maybe one arm around the other person's shoulder. If it's non platonic, it's kissing. It's over the like a prom pig. So there's only certain ones. I don't. I haven't seen anyone push the envelope in the way that I try to do when I go out there. Um, <laughs> I will say this, the only person ever to take a, a solo prison photo who wasn't an inmate, because we'll take solo ones sometimes, so we have to like send out to people, but I made Mama C take one by herself. Really? In front of a, yeah, there's one of her somewhere, <laughs> her, in front of a fake background by oh, herself. Oh, uh, hurricane And then we did the uh, awkward handshake we've done, we've done... Back-to-back arm uh, I've class. done one... I've I've done one sitting on Jin's lap. Yeah. One of her sitting on my and one of me sitting on hers. No one's done that, I guarantee. So you and I did one, like uh, sealing some sort of business deal, like a promotional picture for a sealing yeah. deal where yeah. our handshake, thumbs up. Um, <laughs> Just a couple yeah. goofballs, man. Yeah, and the dude was laughing. and was taking a picture. <laughs> like, I never, that was awesome. i never seen that. And uh, the lighting is terrible in there. Oh, yeah, it's um, not great. <laughs> it's it's so bad. dimmers on those suckers. <laughs> you have one minute remaining. Uh, yeah. Did, did you but, end up so, getting a new solo one? No. Well, the, the photographer never came back in, and we didn't have a oh. second shift photographer come in. So, so do you uh, keep that card? So no, I gave it to someone. I left it up oh. there for someone to take right. so they use it. But no one came in, so I don't know where it's going. Listen, yeah. so is the, i got to go back outside because I'm just one this line in here is building okay. up. I don't think they shut it down. But then I want to, I think we could do one more and kind of yeah. cover. We went through and, you know, it's when when there's one person with four people visiting them, it's kind of who, who they all don't know each other. It's kind of you have to like hold, it's hard to like hold everyone's attention mm-hmm. because you can't, it's harder to break off into little side ones or whatever. So, yeah. but it was, it, was, it was amazing. It was great to see everyone. Yeah. But I, was I don't know if you noticed, it was like halfway through, there was like a shift in me and it got. You got a little quiet there. Yeah, and thank you for. So there was a point yesterday. It did seem like you were a little bit. I don't want to say overwhelmed. I mean, you handled it just fine. But I think, like you mentioned earlier, you know, the four of us. You know, I know Mama C probably the best, obviously, in dealing with her and not dealing, but like you know, a lot of JPays, a lot of emails, some phone calls here and there. But you know, Chad, I just met, and your sister, I just met. But I, yeah, you were right. I think there was a point where you, you just kind of shifted a little bit. And was like, man, kind of that's a lot, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I don't think it was so much of that. I think it was. I think it's more where like I've been recently with this whole experience. Visits are. They're. I mean, they're bittersweet for everyone. You know, they're really yeah. cool, and but there's like never a, a more clear reminder that there's like a separation between two worlds and you're not in the one, you know, mm-hmm. just by the clothes you guys are wearing and stuff like sure. your shoes and 
the shirt and uh, jewelry and stuff like that is stuff we don't ever see. So there's like there's that, and then there's also the uh, the fact that you there's a big clock in there and you know it's ticking, and you know when when it reaches when one of those hands spins around enough times, yeah. um, you have to go back. And I had this. I've been in a weird place about the way the past with my relation to the past and my relation to the my potential future and it's uh i really feel very adrift and so i was kind of going through that and well first of all i was because it was an early visit and because you can only piss once without them charging a visit Mm -hmm. i don't drink coffee before visits now Uh, and so i woke up early to call ray before work which is like what i do and because the visit was at 11:30, and you got to start getting ready at 10:30, and I have to shower and do all these other things beforehand. I didn't really, I didn't get to go back to sleep, so I had been awake since like 5:30, 6 o'clock. And so there was a little bit of that with no coffee. I, I don't ever go that long without having a cup or two of coffee, you mm-hmm. know. And it's, it's like one o'clock, one, you know, 1:30, and I start like kind of crashing mm-hmm. energetically, and and plus the overstimulation of everything. Sure. So yeah, it's like it's it's a heavy thing. It's it's it's, kind of, it's a lot to deal with. So when you say you're kind of adrift, can you explain that a little bit? Can you go into that? Yeah, well, I um, the few the past to me, like my former life, it feels exceedingly intangible. It it, it doesn't feel real. It feels like deja vu. My my past life really feels like deja vu, right? Because I don't know how you could have a, a harder, more abrupt break from an entire life. Mm-hmm. You're dead center in your life. Mm-hmm. And you're relatively, other than like the stuff I didn't really know how to deal with, like my mental health and addiction and like, um, you know, self-medicating myself when I would go through mental health issues, everything was going really well until I lost my insurance, my job, my insurance. And then my brain spiraled, you know, Mm -hmm. in a way that I was not prepared for and um, didn't really understand the physiology of all the getting yanked off SSRIs after you've been cycled through a bunch of different ones. Anyways, and and also my partner died. So my entire life immediately went away. So, like, if someone goes to prison most times, their family that they were living with is still there, you know, and they can bring the kids and you can call and talk. Mm -hmm. Mine went from a full immersed life into nothing, like complete nothing, just completely broken off with Mm -hmm. no connection to it ever again. Right. So all I have are pictures and memories. I don't even have videos I can watch. And the farther you get away from that stuff with such a hard break with no ties to it anymore, it just doesn't even feels like it, it's like a movie I watched or it happened to someone else. And I'm, I've lost, I'm in the process of losing or I've already lost all of those people in, in a way that is very strange. Do you find yourself thinking of that specific moment more than the things that happened before that? Like you said, when you still had a job and things were going really well, do you not think about those times because of that break so much? No, well, I see, I've been forced to think about that last part, night part that, yeah. over and over again, and it was the most recent, too, and I've been forced to think about it a bunch. So, yeah, it's, it's impossible to think about all the other stuff without thinking about the ending. Right. I, no, I, under, I understand that. I just, because that's also mentally challenging to be able to try and think about, you know, a happy time with, no. without it leading to that night. You know right. what I mean? So that's no, it's a really, very it's difficult. A, it's to a do. really good question. 
Oh, that's a really good question. It's a good point. I hadn't really thought about it in those in, the, in those terms. And no, you're right. So, so my past feels like some old movie I watched one mm-hmm. time late at night or something. And my future, it feels well. It feels really ethereal. It feels wispy and in a different kind of way, less tangible. And there's this Rick and Rick and Morty episode where something happens to Morty and in. He has like as long as he's holding this gym, I think it is. He can see his potential f- potentiality, like his future, right? Okay. So every time he does something, he wants to be with this girl. So every time he does something, he can see what it leads to. He's like going to grab, uh, go through one door, and he reaches for it, and he sees it vacillating between all these different potential outcomes. Okay. The closer his hand gets to the door, and then he'll go, oh, he doesn't like, so he'll move it slightly to the right. Until, another oh, I guess I'm supposed to grab this one because it leads to this. And it feels like, um, you know, for a while, as I was, like, farther away from my future, it could be anything. And and I, I don't know. My future also feels very tenuous. I, I, there's not a place for me to put one foot in the past and one foot in the future. And so neither of them really seem real. So the only thing that's real to me is here this place right now and, and it's not the best place to feel and even here i want let me say this uh, i really didn't want to ever speak this shit into existence and i've mentioned some stuff before okay and i don't know maybe it's a psychological thing where i'm just worried uh, um or, or whatever and it's not a thought it's a feeling i have mm-hmm. and i really just hope it's not true i have a feeling this this feeling that won't go away that that I might not actually make it out of here. Okay. And is, and that has to deal directly with you having to constantly think about that last night because there is no break for you right now. It's difficult to separate your reality now because it's you've only lived this reality no. for the last 10 years? No. No, it doesn't have anything to do with any of that. It's just a premonition. I have. It's a feeling I have. And this is recent? It's a feeling I have. It's been over the last year maybe. Um, I feel like so at what, like at, what, down. at what point did you like, feel like you lost control of that? Because before you were always very headstrong and this is, I've got boom, 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 boom. This is what I'm going to do when I do this. And I'm going to, you know, and the most recent, and I'm trying to steer it towards something like we've talked about, you want to do this van life, which is amazing. You've got this thought, things that are going to, those can, are thoughts. I, w- I want to do all those things. I, I can get excited about all those things. Okay. But what I feel is different. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like, and I don't want this shit to be true. I don't want to speak any bullshit into it. Right. I understand. Thing, but I don't, I have this lurking suspicion in a way that I've had a bunch of lurking suspicions my whole fucking life that, I'm hoping that me saying it will make it not be true, but I just have, it has nothing to do, like I said, it's not a thought. I'm not thinking these things. I'm, I have this feeling these things, right. I have a feeling, no, just one specific thing that I just have this is all the planning I do and everything like I want to do. I just don't. These premonitions that you said you've had in the past, like, okay, of those premonitions, did any of them come to fruition? Yeah, a bunch of them came to fruition. Okay. So, <clears throat> see, it's hard to play, like, armchair, like, psychologist, like, oh, well... I don't really want to. I don't really... <laughs> I, I don't even... I, I haven't even shared this with anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, um, I've i been, like, hinting at it with, with Ray, but I also don't want to worry people in my life 
by saying stuff like this. You know, I don't want to worry anyone. That's not my goal isn't to attract attention with this. I've been purposely keeping it to myself, but it's, but it, when it leads to m mental states that are like, can, can upset people anyways, unintentionally, then I, I kind of maybe have to like process it and think like, um, it's an understandable psychological side effect of not having any control over yourself or being afraid. I'm open to all that stuff. I hope all those things are, are really reasons that I'm having this, mm -hmm. this thought and feeling. And I'm not, and I'm not a fucking psychic. I, I don't make predictions and stuff, but I have a theory okay. that, that the way we experience time linearly isn't the way it actually exists. If you talk to like physicists and all that stuff. Okay. And I, I have a theory that maybe, is there something that can happen so profound in someone's timeline that it kind of re reverberates outwards in all directions, like ripples in a pond can find their way backwards through the timeline. And like I had picked up on certain things like that okay. earlier, you know what I mean? That that night that everything happened was so just reality shattering for so many people and every that, that there were just ripples that fanned out. And so there were things I was picking up on beforehand and I don't, I don't even told people this. I don't go around telling people this because I don't necessarily even believe that it's a thing. I just know that there's a lot of weird things like that. Okay. And, um, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it back to you before they close yard. Um, I'm going to shoot inside Try. and see if we can. So we can kind of <laughs> wrap this up yeah. because I want to turn this, this around because yeah. after our visit, I was in this mood and I was talking to Ray and kind of, she was out, uh, you know, going out with her friends and, okay. um, which thank you for, um, I've never had the universe uh, work this way with the phones, the being so crowded in so many ways not to get through that. Every time I turn around, I went right inside. I went right inside. All the phones are being used, and there's two people waiting in line in there. So I go and sit down, and I go, you're, you're last. So the dude's in there, and they go, no, go ahead. Hmm. One opened up, and they're waiting on time. <clears throat> Anyways, this, this ties in to kind of what I'm saying. Anytime we start talking about this weird shit like this, starts happening let me say this like if i was reading biocentrism and some stuff in quantum mechanics about the observer effect and stuff we're in a subjective universe i believe and that there are very few objective truly objective realities. so there's i believe that synchronistic events are a way for free will to exist without the universe like breaking free will by adhering to we can't just believe in like magical thinking and stuff all, you know what I mean? That one of the loopholes that for this universe to exist with a little magic in it, without just being full on, you know, fanciful, is that without violating our free will, the, the best this reality has is it can wink at you through synchronistic events that if you explain it to someone else, it doesn't ruin their like illusion of you know, um, the laws of nature dictating everything and stuff like that, because it's only subjective to you. You notice the connections and the meaning and, and all that stuff, right? And in a way, it's maddening, but it's also like this inside joke where you notice all these little things that if you were to try to explain it to someone, <laughs> you would sound schizophrenic. <laughs> well, you know? and, and it's just like trying to listen to anybody who think you know, that believes in aliens. Like, no, there's just too many weird things, man. There's no way we can be alone. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's um, kind of in that same kind of conversation, only a little bit <clears throat> more broad, obviously. Well, I could like explain it philosophically in a way that that you could base a, a philosophical system on, mm -hmm. right? And and you, I could tie it to physics and stuff like that. We don't really have 
time to go into it now. Are you but sure? you remember oh, the one time where we were, where we were, where we were talking? <laughs> we don't. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> where we were talking about Ghost Gerbil, and then the one yeah. thing happened, and we're like, "Oh my God, he just typed like that type shit." Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, I, I I'm realizing over the last couple months that my reality, my perspective, everything, my spirit, my everything. My separation and segregation from the, both the past and the future mm-hmm. is like put me on an island. I'm on this island, and uh, it seems like the, the ground underneath me is isn't quite firm. And it's like mm. my feet are sinking in. And I got to constantly keep trying to pull my feet out okay. so I don't sink. You know, one. But as soon as I put the other one down, it starts sinking. And the, the ground wasn't as loose back in the day, mm-hmm. and it's just getting more and more loose, and I'm just getting less and less traction when I pull my feet out of the sand. So this like has ha- been happening and it kind of culminates in a visit when I say goodbye to, to you guys and my uncle and everyone. When I hug my mom, you can't help but wonder, like, please God, this, what should, this yep. can't be true, but like, this could be the last time I see my mom. Yep. I and when you watch them walk away and they close, the door closes behind them, that fucks with your head. Yeah. Because you don't want to cause a scene there in case that was the case. If you don't, then you're also like, should I pull her back again and hug her? You know? These are things people shouldn't have to go through repeatedly. Mm-mm. No. And so I get on the phone later, and I'm kind of trying to explain this to Ray in a, in a way that, like, we share everything. I don't keep any secrets from her. I tell her everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but this one about me being worried or, or not worried, not even worried, me suspecting, me having a feeling that I, that I might, I might not make it out of here. That's different because I don't want to worry her okay. unnecessarily. And I also don't really know how to express it, how to like verbalize it where it doesn't just seem like some, Some something that's hard thought. to understand or something that you brush off. You're like, oh, you're going to be fine, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So sh- in the middle of, like, waiting for this Uber to go out to this karaoke uh, restaurant bar thing, she's, like, fully present with me. She, like, closes the door and, like, we talk. But mm-hmm. the bitch comes in and says, you have one minute remaining and a phone call in, right? <laughs> and... And I'm and I'm in this place where the the ever rotating potentialities of the future seems to be in a place locked in a place that that doesn't extend beyond prison walls, right? Mm-hmm. That ends somewhere in here, it's two and a half years. And I get off the phone and I sit down and I ask who's last because I'm going to try to get on the phone again before they close it. Okay. And there's a dude sitting there. Um, we oh he's actually forty. Because we and we know each other. I've loaned him books before. He's uh, he has wears glasses. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's he's got a bald head. He's a black dude. And he'd seen me reading, so he would talk to me, and, and I'd come down and be like, here, check this out. You might like this. You might like this. Okay. But we don't talk all the time, right? But we'll say what's up to each other if we're like passing each other in the bathroom, or whatever. I so I, I who's last? He says me. And as I'm going to sit, I'm like, put the book down. And for whatever reason, I'm like, what's up with you? You all right? You good? He's like, yeah. And uh, he starts talking to me about he just saw the board and whatever. Okay. In the conversation, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but the conversation leads into talking about how he's never coming back here, how he can't believe mm. he came back. He was out for seven years, and he came back. And I go, let me ask you this. Can I ask you a question? And I say, 
could you have avoided coming back? Okay. Right. That you know, terrifying me when people are like, I did it. Did everything right. And he he looks at the ground for a second. He goes, Yeah, yeah, I avoided it. Right and I said, Okay. Terrifies me, you know, because he's in here, and, he, and we were basically talking. He was saying how his mind shifted, how he changed the way he approaches life, and especially in here, right? Okay. And I said, how, that's how old he was, because I didn't know. He said 40. I said, that's when it seems to, like, kind of start happening. And I went and told him briefly, like, you should have seen when I first came to prison. This is, like, my universe, and and I was uh, in fraternities and, mm-hmm. and all, all about in prison life and bullshit and I said two things happen when you get older if you're paying attention you realize this shit is stupid to invest your time and care into like the shit going on in here mm-hmm. one and two you start losing the ability you're, you, or the energy to care what people think about you and so you just if you're smart you just start doing your own thing and, and you be positive and we start talking and he tells me how he struggled with addiction and mental health okay. and, and, and of course I, I said listen you know the irony where the tragedy is, is that minority groups culturally we are the least able to speak about these things, yet we're the ones who need it the most. Mm-hmm. And he, so we start talking about that. And he says, well, I've been proactive and, and I actually head up an, an here. Okay. So we start talking and he says, well, you know, I got my GED in here. He's talking about all the positive stuff nice. he's done. Yeah. I mean, I don't mention any of what I've been doing, but I said, yeah, I've been like searching for knowledge and all this stuff and whatever. And, and of course, we get to talking about how the highest return on a transaction I've found emotionally, mentally, actually, is helping other people, right? Sure. If you can find a way to help people, that's when you, you know, and in some of this, in this conversation, I start gaining a little bit of clarity. He mentions that he wants to, he's going to class and when he gets out, he wants to train to become an addiction treatment counselor, counselor, addiction treatment counselor. Okay. And so I say, listen, man, and I tell him about ladies wear. And I say, my buddy, who was like as worse as you can get, he lived in a dumpster at times. And I I said, I watched him walk his way up from Mm -hmm. that to being in a three-quarter house, in a a treatment, residential treatment center, to him working there, to him running one, to him, you know, making a speech on TV and working with people in prison. Right. I said, if you want, before you leave... I can set something up for you that if you graduate this thing and you get your license to practice this stuff, I can, I can like maybe try to give you a connection and, you yeah. know, because you have a unique perspective on this. And he says, man, that'd be really cool. And, and we kind of in there cause the phone opens up. Like yeah. another phone. Okay. And I kind of tell Ray and she says, you sound a little diff- different, like you good. And, and I kind of explained to her what happened and mm-hmm. she goes, uh, and this is going to sound I promise I'm not saying this to like big up myself or to sound cool. I'm saying it because it didn't. It, I didn't even think about it, and I think it's important to point out. She said, "Do you know how amazing you are?" And I said, "Well, pro- not that amazing, you know." Clearly, <laughs> she said, "After all the shit that you've been going through, because of the trigger that was Ladies Wear with him jumping out of your life and then kind of coming back halfway and being like you," she said, "For you to not even think about any of that and immediately try to." Like, put all that, like, not even try, just put it behind you and then use it as a way to help him. Right. And I said, well, it's not even, I said, thank you, I appreciate that. But it wasn't even about him, it was about being able to help this guy. And, of course, I didn't think about that stuff because that's what it is. I told her, I immediately after that conversation, I felt lighter. I felt better. I felt Really? I felt the potentiality. If you can, someone can watch that Rick and Morty episode. It just constantly, every motion he does vacillates through a, a different potential. 
And the middle one is what looks like it's going to be the most solid outcome. But if he if he does it, it'll shift to the right a little bit. Mm-hmm. If he moves his hand, it'll shift it right. But it's a scale of like five or ten things. Okay. So my but I felt my potentiality, my future potential shift in that moment, and I realized in my notes I took in my book bookmark in the book I was reading. I wrote the universe tapped me on the shoulder. Okay. To remind me of all the things that I've learned along the way, but have somehow forgot. And that is, the future is just a set of potentials. You can control the, the possibilities that they might lead to. And they start with helping people and doing good for other people, for using your time to do good for other people. And I had like this realization that no matter what, where my finish line is, whether it's in here or whether it's I get out and, and I have a Emmy award-winning show on FX and all this other stuff, <laughs> that uh, the finish line doesn't really matter so much as what you do with the time you have left, right? Because right? no one knows what it is. And if you just forget about where the finish line is and just focus on connecting with people, helping people, trying to make someone else's life a little better, then ultimately that's all you can do. And in that, there's a freedom in that. Well, and you've been helping people all along, buddy, ever since you started doing this, you know, through your writing, through this show. I think that, not that you forget about that. I mean, you're you're always one to call I out do. right away, like, listen, the pebbles are everything to me, blah, blah you know, and all that stuff. But <clears throat> I think you, you don't realize how much it does help people. I mean, even if it's for 15-minute little short calls or if it's 45 or like, you know, a long one like this one. It's been happening, but the, it's tough because like you can't see that tan. It's not something that's tangible to you. It's just something that you have to remind yourself of. Yeah, and I don't. I haven't been doing a good enough job in it. And, and when I am pulling my feet out of the muck in order to get some traction, <laughs> so I don't immediately think it is. The, it, I swear to you, and you're right. I mention it a lot. It is the reminder, but I do forget that the people I've reached, that that stuff is real. Sure. Um, and, it, and it's easy to forget when you're, like, suffering enough yourself to where you're like, how the fuck could I be helping anyone? I can't even, like, help myself. I'm, I'm over here, like... You have one minute remaining. At the most tenuous grasp on everything. Mm-hmm. But occasionally, if, if, if I feel like the message was, to me was through my subjective experience in the universe, putting that guy in that place with the mental health and all the things that lined up and all our history just enough for us to start a conversation when I needed it most. Right, yeah. If you could show up for that and kind of hold on for that and remind yourself of, of these things... You know, my big thing is always saying the universe will unfold to meet you if you're doing the right thing, if you're on your path. Right. And I just think that it's been harder and harder for me to stay on my path, but this is like a good reminder for me. Tap. And, and it's just it's just enough for me to pull another foot out. And, uh, yeah. Well, hit before, me back. Uh, well, <laughs> before, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know. So, listen, on behalf of everyone. Yes. Everyone out there, yep. everyone that came to visit and all the tablets out there. We I love, love you. And as so long as I still got breath in my lungs, we'll keep doing some version of this. And, uh, you got it. Um, I just appreciate you guys, and I love you. Love you, brother. Uh, Thank you for using GTL. We are gone. Hi, everybody. Mama C here. For the complete library, full episodes, and bonus content, and mainly to support this cause, visit Notes from the Pen on Patreon. To learn more about body and prison reform, visit our website, notesfromthepen.com. And follow us on Twitter to stay current. This has been another Notes from the Pen production.